Welcome to West Church. We're so thankful you've joined us today. Whether you're joining us in person or virtually, we're excited to come together to praise, worship, and receive God's glory. If this is your first time with us, we'd like to give you a very special welcome. If you're returning, thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it, and we appreciate you. Now, let's prepare to be inspired and encouraged as we enter into worship. Our series has been entitled, If God is for us, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we've talked about so many different things, and I, and I pray that that's been really, really helpful for you. So here we are at the very end, <clears throat> having read his final words, and he says in our translation that we are more than conquerors, more than conquerors. Three English words, more than conquerors. In the Greek language that lies behind this, it's one word. It's the word conqueror with a little preposition before it, hyper. We are, like where we get hyperspace from, you know, you Star Wars fan, I'm going to switch to hyperspace. Hyper conquerors, super conquerors. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to be on that team, right? The super conqueror team. When we think about super conquerors, it can conjure up a whole bunch of different ideas, can it? We could think about football teams with a legacy of Super Bowl wins, right? Or baseball team with a legacy of World Series wins. Those are the super conquerors of sports. There are, if a company is a Fortune 500 company, right, they are the super conquerors of companies. Or a billionaire of a tech company, they're the super, super conquerors of financial businessmen. Or a politician that wins an election by a landslide, everybody is on their side. They're the super conquerors of politics. Or an army and its generals that crushes the opposition. They are military super-conquerors. But what about the church? What about Christianity? In the church world, we have mega-churches today. Are they the super-conquerors? What about the pastors who write all those books that become a household name and everybody's talking them up? Are they the super conquerors of pastors? Is the Christian who prospers in ministry or the Christian who prospers in business or the Christian who prospers in their profession, are they a super conqueror? We tend to think of super conquerors as those who win and those who succeed, and those who prosper, and those who overcome great obstacles. But is that what Paul means when he calls us super conquerors in Christ Jesus? What I think we see is that it's actually quite different. As a matter of fact, I would like you to look at this question through two windows what a super-conqueror doesn't mean and what a super-conqueror does mean. What it doesn't mean 
and what it does mean. Let's think first about what it doesn't mean. Verse 35, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Being a super conqueror in Jesus Christ does not mean that we will not necessarily endure great hardship. Suffering, persecution, poverty, catastrophe. We as Christians are not exempted from hardship. Sometimes our faith can even aggravate the hardship if people around us take offense at our beliefs. We can feel cut off or ridiculed. We may even experience financial trials or, or poverty or lack or right along with anybody else, we can experience the hardships of the economics around us. Wealth is not a sign that you are necessarily pleasing God. And poverty is not necessarily a sign that you're not pleasing God. Tragedy doesn't mean that God is mad at you. And ease doesn't mean that God is happy with you. Enduring great hardship doesn't, is part of what it means to be a super great conqueror sometimes. Look with me at verses 38 and 39. He says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Being a super conqueror doesn't mean that there aren't those who are against us, okay? Death, demons, governments, uncertainties. When Paul wrote this letter to the believers at Rome, Christianity had absolutely no influence and power in the world and in the culture of Paul's day. Christianity was an unknown religion of dubious origin. It was not welcomed. It did not enjoy popular favor. And, and all of that changed a little bit after 300 A.D. when the emperor Constantine became a Christian. But that introduced all kinds of other issues because the empire then wanted to control the church and compel Christians to believe at the edge of the sword. Christianity is not a religion of power. We do not want to take over the world. We do not force anybody to agree with us. Rather, we suffer, we plead, we reason with people to understand and believe the message of Jesus. The 1950s was the heyday of Christianity in the United States. Nearly 80% of people called themselves Christians, and nearly 70% of them went to church on a regular basis. Today, the number of people who call themselves Christians may be as high as 50% in our country, and fewer go to church on a regular basis. And while it is sad to see the choices and the ideas and the agendas that people have replaced Christianity with, we need to beware that our faith is not about holding power, it's not about holding sway, and it's not about being popular in our culture. 
when there are many genuine, committed followers of Jesus in a society, that will by all means influence and transform that society. But we're not seeking power and we're not seeking influence. That is not what we are about. We are about persuading people to embrace Jesus as the hope for life that starts right now with God and lasts forever. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this earth. So being a super conqueror doesn't mean that we won't have people against us. Look with me at verses 5 through 7. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. We've talked about this before. But one of the things that being a super conqueror in Jesus Christ means that it, it, it doesn't mean that we will not struggle personally with our own heart condition. There is an internal spiritual battle within our own hearts in which we will find that our thoughts, our feelings, our desires, our words, and our actions sometimes are not good. We can hurt other people instead of loving them. We can want things that are not good for us. We can, our, we can, our feelings are strong about something or towards something, and we can go in directions that dishonor God when we go after them. We can have wrong-headed ideas about things, like the old computer programmer's language, garbage in, garbage out. And when our thinking about things is incorrect, we can feel and act and be motivated by those misguided thoughts. Part of living in this fallen world with the help of the Holy Spirit is going to be struggling with our own personal selves and our relationship with God. Being a conqueror doesn't mean we're exempt from that reality. Look at verse 23. But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Being a super conqueror doesn't mean that we're not going to groan with longing for a better life in this life. Groaning is an expression of longing. We want better. We want more. We want freedom. We want goodness. We want love. We want faith. We want to be obedient to our Savior, and we're often disappointed in ourselves and disappointed with the world. We groan because we know that it's not as it should be. We learn to not love things that will not last, and our affections and our hopes are not for what can ultimately be found here. Our deepest affection and our greatest hopes are to be where Jesus is with Jesus. So when Paul says that we are super conquerors in Christ, it doesn't mean that we won't suffer hardship, we won't face opposition, we won't struggle with our own selves, and we won't groan with disappointment. Well... 
What does it mean? What does it mean? Let me start with an illustration. <clears throat> my, I have a brother. My brother is five years younger than me. And um, one of the things we loved to do together when we were growing up was, was play Legos, okay? Anybody here like playing with Legos? Oh, yeah. It's the toy that never gets old, right? So what my brother and I would do is we would, we would build things. You know, we would build cities. We would build ships. We would build... Uh, all different kinds of things. And then, after we each finished building our things, we would have a war. And because I was a little older and a little smarter, I could make stronger things than he could. And so, my things would attack his things and smash them to smithereens, and mine would still be standing. And we would play like that. He would play uh, for, for hours and hours and hours and hours. But then, one day he fooled me. We were building and building like we were, all the blocks were in the middle of the bed, all spread out. And what we were making was on the side of the bed where the other person couldn't see. And we were building, we were building. I'd be like, are you ready yet? No, I'm not ready yet. Are you ready yet? No, I'm not ready yet. Are you ready yet? No, I'm not ready yet. Are you ready? Yes. All right. And so I had my devices and everything all built like, like bricks. And, and he brought out his 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 weapon, he goes like this, this is my super gun. And I looked at it and I said, that's just a single Lego. And he says, yeah, but you can't break it. <laughs> it was unbreakable and it was indestructible because it was so simple and so long-lasting. I like to think of myself like that solitary Lego block in the fingers of God. I am so small and insignificant, but because God is holding me, I will not be destroyed. And each congregation of believers around the world is like a little box of Lego blocks. We are so small. We're so insignificant. We're so powerless. But God holds the blocks. And we will stand. The church, the church is the assembly of true believers in Jesus Christ from the original 12 disciples all the way down through time until the return of Christ at the end of time, the day of the Lord. We're like a huge collection of tiny little Legos in the grand scheme of things. But God holds us in His hand, and we are super conquerors. Verse 37 says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Because He loves us, we are super conquerors. What makes us victorious as the children of God is not all the stuff that we have 
Not all of our great plans or our best intentions. What makes us strong is that God foreknew us, God predestined us, God called us, God justified us, God has glorified us. He is the God who is outside of time, who was and is and is to be, and He is graciously reaching into time and space, calling out a people to Himself according to His own divine mercy, a people who will withstand hell itself and enter into the inheritance that He has prepared for us, where Jesus has already gone before. And we do not need society to accept us or favor us or curry to us if it means that we must deny our faith. And we do not need the favor of the powers that be to protect us from harm if it means selling our souls to the devil. We may feel like a solitary Lego. This church may be a tiny collection of solitary Legos. But the God who dwells over all and outside of all is not scared. We are His. He is ours. The world can take our life, but they cannot take the eternal life of a child of God. So while we struggle and while we groan, we do not despair, we do not lose hope because we know the end of the story. We are super conquerors with Jesus, the Son of God, together with the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. The way we are victorious is greater than time itself. There is a clock on our suffering. Now, sometimes it seems like it's a real long clock, okay? But not in comparison to forever. The power of God's love for us is greater than anything else that can be thrown against us. Look at verse 39. Nothing else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because He loves us, we are inseparable from him. Well, why is that? It's actually quite simple, simple. How do we receive God's love for us? How does God's love come to us? Paul says it comes to us in Christ through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Well, how do we receive the benefits of the death and the resurrection of Jesus? We believe. To believe is more than just to understand. It's not just an idea. Lots of people understand lots of things about Jesus, but it has no true impact on their lives. To believe is to trust, to rely on, to bank on, to hope in, to commit your heart to something. When we believe in Jesus, we love Him for what He has done for us. It involves our whole being, body, soul, and mind. We know that God loves us because we believe. 
It is an internal reality that exists because of the power of God's Spirit within us. The love of God is experienced in our hearts through believing the message of God's love for us in Jesus. When you believe the message, it's locked within your heart by faith. It is the possession of eternal life itself. The real threats to our faith are false ideas about God and who He is. Like believing that my relationship with God is based upon my performance. That's a false idea about God. It's based on what Christ did for me. Or when our emotions are misled by either fear or shame or anger. Now, we're going to feel fear. We're going to feel shame in this world, and we're going to feel anger. Emotions in and of themselves are not inherently bad. God made them. Jesus had them. But we cannot allow these feelings to lead us towards harmful actions towards others or to the denial of what we know to be true about God. Our faith includes what we know to be true about God, and what we know informs how we respond to our feelings. Our faith leads us to be yielded and faithful to God because we understand what is the true outcome of life. All of the obstacles that we face are unable to wedge themselves between us and God's love for us. But if the Spirit is in our hearts through faith, we have the help that we need to believe in the face of the obstacles and the opposition that comes against us. The love of God cannot be canceled out by our circumstances or our trouble because we possess it by faith. Because God loves us, we are super conquerors. Because God loves us, we cannot be separated from Him. This is what we believe. Paul says that we are super conquerors in Christ Jesus. We have seen what it doesn't mean, and we've seen what it does mean. Just as I'm wrapping up, I want to remind you about the Let's Connect card in the seat in front of you. If you have a moment to fill that out, whether you're a first-time guest, a second-time guest, or all-the-time guest, just drop it in the offering plate. Have you ever had somebody, have you ever gone to somebody and asked them, how you doing? How you doing, right? Have you ever had somebody answer, I'm going through hell right now? Ever had somebody say that to you? I'm going through hell right now. Whatever it is that they're going through in their life, to them, it seems like hell. And some of the things that people go through in life seem very, very, very hellish. Disaster, trauma, abuse, poverty, slavery, addiction, war, persecution, death, loss, grave illness, being misunderstood and being mistreated. 
life can be agonizing. But as Christians, according to Romans chapter 8, whatever you are going through, no matter how bad that thing is that you are going through, it is not hell. You know why it's not hell? Because Jesus already died for your hell. Jesus took that debt of just punishment that you and I deserve upon Himself. He endured hell on the cross and while He was buried in the empty tomb so that there might not be any hell left for you or for I. And whatever you are going through as a Christian, no matter how bad, it is not hell. There is no more hell left for those who are in Christ Jesus. The cross has seen to it all. And when Romans 12, 8, 28 says that, we, that all things work together for good to those who love God and those are called, in, uh, <laughs> called according to His love, what, whatever He's saying there lies far beyond our understanding because God is working all things together for our good. And this is a mind-blowing, and sometimes it's a frustrating truth. Why would God allow me or want me to go through all that I am going through? It just hurts so bad. It feels like hell to me. But Paul is not describing some God who is up there in the mysteries of heaven doing whatever he wants and just leaving us in the dark to fend for ourselves. God doesn't just say, shut up and trust me. He's with us. He's with us. Jesus died for our hell so that there is no hell left. Whatever you're going through is not hell. And Jesus gave us the Spirit so that we can experience God's presence deep within us no matter what we are going through. God's Spirit indwells in every single one of His sons and daughters. Every single child of God has the Holy Spirit. We can feel Him, we can hear Him, and He is with us. And even if you're going through what you believe to be hell, we are told that God's love for us is absolutely certain, without a doubt, true. And that means, that means that there is more and more and more of God available to us, not only to match but to overcome, and more and more and more of the, what the world seems and the devil seems to be throwing at us. Even when we feel like we are dying, God is with us in His love. This means that when we are suffering, we need to press into God. We need to press into God and press into the good gifts that He gives us. We need to spend time alone with Him listening to His voice, reading His Word. We need to ask Him for help when we feel overwhelmed. And we, and we need to ask others to help us, people that we trust. Because God wants to help us no matter what we are going through. He is more available to us in our suffering than we ever believe. He's not cold 
and He's not removed from us in our suffering. He is available and He is present. And our suffering teaches us to trust Him more deeply. And that trust brings a whole new dimension to our relationship with God that we've never experienced before when we draw near to Him. And this, my friends, is how God is for us. Let's pray. Dear Father, I ask, I ask that your spirit would make very real to us the love of the Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to know, experience, believe, trust, feel, live, be your love. Do what only you can do as we struggle and teach us what it means to walk with you in fellowship and in hope. This I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Please rise.